Welcome to the Success Leaves Clues podcast with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that's different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. We believe sound financial advice improves people's lives. We're also brought to you by ARIA Benefits. We help business leaders attract and retain top talent. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, here with my co-host and business partner, Al McDonald. Al, how is your week going so far? It's going well, and I have to share a little secret with all our listeners. When we always edit these, we tell the guests it's for them, but it's for us. You've been a great example today, Robin, of why we need the editing. (laughs) For some reason, that intro always gets me. So yes, a shout out to our editor, Ivan, down in Australia, who, while we're sleeping, works on all of our episodes that we do. He does a great job and makes us sound good, but sound natural still, I think. So hopefully that's the way it comes across. Well, Al, I was telling you beforehand, I was very excited about this episode in particular because we had such a great conversation. Joining us today is Dr. Janae Azentros. Hopefully I said your name correctly. (laughs) She is the chairwoman of the board for Ahava Group Global. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much, Robin and Al, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It's so great to chat. And I feel like we could have just pressed record on our first conversation because you had, oh my gosh, you had so many insights about what's going on in the workplace and motivation and so many things that we talked about. But why don't we start at the beginning and maybe tell us a little bit about where you are today and what you're doing and maybe take us back in time about how did you get there? Well, why don't we start with the ladder? Because I think the ladder will lay the foundation for how I ended up here. So I uh, actually founded, I have a digital group, which is a woman-led digital consultancy that sits under the umbrella of I have a group global. And we work with fortune companies and governments to help them connect with women consumers using data and technology. And how we do that from the commercial side with the fortune companies, we work with their in-house agencies to help them strategize on direct target and marketing and utilizing market insights to maximize their ad spend. On the government side, we use our technology piece, which is our canvassing application, as well as our consumer mapping tool to aid governments in gathering metrics or data to make decisions on how they can support and develop legislative policies that can aid in economic stimulation for their communities. And so I've been blessed to start this in 2011, and we have initially started with zero (laughs) dollars when I started this company in my basement to growing it to almost two billion dollar organization so we've been very blessed in that way so let's go back in time then like going back to starting this in your basement how do you end up in a position where you are going from hey I'm going to start this up in my basement to this massive company that you're running now in this organization what are the steps in between to get there And then I actually have a follow-up question as well. Maybe part B you can answer because I've heard it a couple of times. Why is it so important to you to work specifically with women as well and support that? 
Absolutely. I wish that there was a straight answer to that question. And the path was definitely not straight and narrow on how I have a digital got here. So initially, when I started, I started as a creative agency. This creative agency was just kind of me taking all of my talents and saying, oh, poof, I'm going to throw them out here, see which one sticks. So I did a bunch of things in the beginning. At this time, I had retired corporately. I was a stay-at-home mother. And so I discovered during that 18 months of staying at home, I wasn't a stay-at-home mom. So I had to find something new. So when I started to have a digital, I threw all the talents out there. I was doing children's books. I was doing some creative agency work. And so in the background, this concept around the creative agency started to grow which was not really my primary focus at the time, but it was the part that was in fact growing at a good pace at the time. And so I would say probably around 2013 is when I started really focusing in on, okay, so this is a place that we're seeing the greatest level of growth compared to all the, the other things that I'm doing. What can I do to move this forward? And so that's when we more or less pivoted into social media. And we've pivoted away from more of the creative offering, keeping that because that worked alongside the social media piece. But then we landed some major projects with fortune companies through networking and obviously working in business for a few years. Throughout all those years, I definitely had some really great contacts that helped me gain my footing. And so I would say that's where it initially started and put us on a path to where we are to date. But we did pivot the company another time where we did a whole name rebrand. And when I acquired the data center in the U.S., that is what put us on the trajectory to date. And that was around 2018 when I said, you know what, we're injecting back passion around women again. It can't just be bottom line focus. At that time, I would say between 2015 and 2017, it was a lot of my advisors were like, bottom line, bottom line, we can see a vision, we know where this is going. But I was losing the passion for this vision because it was only focused on the bottom line. And I said, how did this company initially start? It started with women. And so to answer your second question, because it started with women is how we've grown it and expanded it with women. And especially with some of the social political dynamics that have arisen in North America, it became ideal that I focus on BIPOC women, particularly African-American women. And many companies were looking at this 1.5 trillion that African-Americans collectively, but particularly African-American women hold in purchasing power and how they could tap into that. And they wanted someone of color at the helm to aid in kind of curating that story, utilizing data to do that. And so that's where I have a digital saw an opportunity and we spearheaded the way in that we're unrivaled and we have no competition. So I'm intrigued by your answer in that, obviously, as you said, not a straight line in getting here, a couple of pivots along the way. And what I found interesting was when you said the part of the business that was being the most successful wasn't maybe even the one that you were thinking would be or the one that you were concentrating on, but you had this success in one area. So that leads me to my question. Is there anything that you wish you'd known? When you'd started out now looking back what would have changed if you'd known something up front that you found out along the way i would sure i'm glad that i didn't know sometimes too much clarity can cause you to stumble because i think we get the assurance and the security when we have clarity that we know exactly what's going to happen when we move forward i think the most successful entrepreneurs live and actually thrive in a place of uncertainty and that actually helps us stretch our capacity as well as our faith at the same time that you know holding true to that vision because i think that was the one part for me 
that I saw is that holding true to that vision actually became my North Star that allowed me to not deviate or get caught up in the noise of what was happening or what was trending in the market. There's a plethora of agencies that do the social media part exactly what we do, but where we actually have a staunch differentiation is that we offer verified data and we found an ethical way to source it and we're in position and we hold the only verified and ethically sourced data file on American consumers. And so that's put us in a very desirable place with many organizations, not just domestically, but also abroad. When we have these conversations with other entrepreneurs, and I think I hear the same from you, you seem to be a naturally curious person because it sounds like, you know, you even said at the beginning of this conversation, you threw a whole bunch of stuff against the wall and and you were doing a number of things when you were being a stay-at-home mom. In your line of work with what you do, what are you most curious about? Because I get the feeling that you are a curious person as well. And that seems to be a theme with successful entrepreneurs that we talk to. Absolutely. I was always inquisitive by nature, inquisitive about all things, right? So people always ask, like, did you want to become an entrepreneur? And I say, no, but I always knew from a very young age, I knew that I was going to do something great. I just didn't know what that was. And then as I embarked, like throughout my years of growing up and through my teenage years, once I finished high school, I was actually sharing, I share the story publicly, but in my high school yearbook, I was actually quoted as being one of the most people likely to become famous, but everybody thought it was going to be for entertainment or singing or something musical because that's where I thought I was naturally gifted and never thought it would be for entrepreneurship by any means. But when I look back on it, I believe that I was groomed for what I walked into. And I always say that God has this really interesting way of kind of like taking you along this path. And then only when you get to certain plateaus, you're kind of able to look back and say, hmm, I'm connecting the dots and that's why that had to happen, right? But it's never nice when we're walking through that situation by any means, right? Because we feel almost blinded. It's like walking on water. For entrepreneurs, it's walking on water blindfolded, right? And then, you know, God's like, take my hand. And then there's no side railings on this bridge that you're walking across either, right? So (laughs) it's very scary. But I think that the people that go on to achieve the greatest level of success are the ones that can actually manage risk effectively without crumbling underneath the weight of that risk. And so because of some of the life challenges that I came up against in a young age, it actually supported me in being able to take risk because I wasn't afraid of free falling. And so many people are afraid of free falling, right? They're concerned about when they're climbing the mountain of what's right here at the plateau that they're at, instead of like, okay, how do I get from where I am to there? or free falling, knowing that you'll be supported when you land. I love what you said in the beginning. I love a lot of what you said, but there's two things in particular. Number one was you always knew you were going to do something great. And that resonates with me, Dr. Janae, because I always felt that way too. And, And probably I'm sure you encountered this in your life too. There were times where I didn't know how I was going to get through certain things. There were some tough times. And I always thought to myself, if I can get through this, I don't know how I'm going to make that impact, but I know I'm going to make it an impact. And even today, even with things I've accomplished, I know there's more. I know there's ways that I can have a greater impact and a positive impact on people. So I love that you said that because I think it's important for people to hear that, that if you've got that voice inside your head that you know, like, don't give up. You might not know the answer today, but there's a way to get there. 
I actually forgot the other one. You said something really great. Free falling. Oh, the free yes. Falling is <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you. You reminded people, me. People seem to like the free falling concept because it it, it's really true. Those that take the greatest risk. And I think the part that people are afraid of is to stand in their power, but also to be unhinged. And when I look back at my childhood, there was a lot of literary work I would say one of my greatest gifts that people don't see is that I'm actually a communicator on not just verbally, but also in written and love books, lived in a land of books. I would write books endlessly, short stories, poems, whatever it was as a child. And there was one book that really stuck out with me. And it was a book that I read probably in my later teen years. Um, it was from Oprah's book list. And it was called Wally Lamb's She's Come Undone. And the premise of the foundation of that was a person that kind of went through a lot of tumultuous upheaval in their, their journey, which allowed them to become unhinged. Now, I will share this. You don't want to live in that space, but you want to be able to wield that space if you do end up there, that you understand that you can take risk, but with any risk, it does have boundaries and accountability. Integrity and discipline are built into that. And I utilize that as the framework and how I make decisions or step into a risky situation to drive a vision or a mission forward. I was going to say around that free falling, I used to be very afraid of risk and taking certain actions that needed to happen in the business. And Alice helped me manage that. And it's funny, the moment you take those risks, you get rewarded for it. And I used to be so afraid of taking because it was financially, you know, growing the company, you've got to spend that money. It's like, oh my God, it makes me so nervous. And then here I am, you know, eight or nine months past that, and we've grown the company as a result of making that decision. Mm -hmm. So you're right, it's the successful people are the ones who can manage that risk. And Al does that extremely well and, and kind of keeps me in check with, hey, is, is this the right move? And here's the only thing we're risking. It's not as much as you think. So I'm glad you touched on that. So you've had lots of twists and turns again in your journey. You've talked about the free fall. I'm sure you've also had some very high points. So can you talk about, is there any one or maybe a few of some satisfying moments throughout your career that you could share with us? You know what? It's actually good that you asked this question because one of the areas that I'm learning to grow in is actually talking about my accomplishments. It is always the most, and, I, and I'm pretty sure every entrepreneur listening can share that has done something successful. It's like, I don't want to talk about me. I don't want to talk about me. We'll talk about ourselves in the context of the company, but I would say my greatest accomplishment is in fact being a mother. Being a mother actually shifted my entire perspective and actually became the catalyst to me wanting to become an entrepreneur because I started looking at, I wanted to create a better life for my kids and even for the children around me in my community. So I think that was one piece. And then from 2015 to 2020, I kind of went into a bit of a media hiatus. I had put head to ground and I was very determined on moving this company forward. And so somewhere around 2020, I had kind of a collision. The collision actually happened in 2018. And that was something around the company and how I was moving the vision forward. But 2020 is where I actually said, okay, it's my coming out party. This is time for us to come out because we've seen the fruits of our labor grow. But guess what? In my home of Canada, nobody knows me, right? And a big part of that had to do with data and data privacy and some of the contentious conversations around data. We're not a company that wants to get caught up in drama there. But what I did do is that there were many of my peers that were around me that were actually just, it was like they were 
being implanted these seeds to call me out. It's time for you to share your brilliance truly with the world. And so in 2020, I was awarded by Canadian Business Employer of the Year, which I was the first Black Canadian to achieve that feat, as well as being the first Black woman to be ranked in the top 20 on that list, which anybody that's followed the growth list knows that that award has a longstanding history over decades. And so very honored to even have accomplished that feat, which actually went on to lead us into other high feats. But it wasn't so much about me. It really was about the level of impact that we could create through Have a Digital and forging something that was uniquely different that has never seen before. A company that was people first, bottom line was second. And I would share, based upon the methodology I teach, really bottom line is fifth, because there's a few key pieces that I teach through Have a Digital, which is God, purpose, people, planet and then profits, right? Because I don't think an organization can be truly effective if we don't actually have a framework on how we're going to move an organization forward and create a level of impact corporately as well as socially. This is the piece of social responsibility. And so these are some of the high points that we've achieved and we've moved on to create even greater feats since those two. But I would say that those are two of the high points because it kind of allowed me to see that what I did actually had an impact. And I've definitely seen the impact in my people behind the scenes, the employees within the organization. A lot of the work that we have done here as a leadership, it's been transformative. And it all started from the basement of my home. (laughs) I'll start from the basement of my home. And I, I I was laughing with the staff, but there's this picture that I've found and I framed where I literally still have, I have on the headset because AirPods didn't exist back then. I had on the headset. And I was in the basement and I was in an unfinished basement. So you can see like the, the fiberglass and the plastic there. But yeah, that's where it all started in the basement. So a couple of folded tables and a laptop. You definitely shared a lot there. And first of all, congratulations on winning those awards that you talked about. That's great. But the other thing that I really liked when you expressed it was humility and that it is sometimes tough to talk about ourselves, right? And certainly... Absolutely. We want to give credit where credit is due in terms of, as you say, you know, your team, your employees and all that kind of stuff. But obviously you've got some skin in the game and a lot of that is due to you. So I think it was impactful that, you know, you talked about uh, that humility a little bit and and how it's a little bit tough to talk about your uh, achievements. Yeah, I've had a very interesting journey, Al, not just with twists and turns, but I have found to make oneself lowly is what the definition of humility is. And I have found leading from a place of lowliness not just yields the greater results out of your people in terms of respect and trust, but it also gives you not just a reality check, but it keeps you in a place of peace, this harmonious equilibrium that is really important for decision-making. That is one of the key components as to why I, I talk about this place of humility, because I have found that it has allotted so much clarity and not getting caught up in believing my own hype or getting caught up in, in the narrative that media will try sometimes to spin around a person or an organization. I'll never forget watching a video. I think it was Beyonce was the entertainer. And she said in one of her videos many years ago, all I need is a mic and some lights. That's it. And that's how I feel. All I need is a laptop. Because I think when you know that you've been called to do something, you do that with the fullness of your capacity. And that's where your brilliance shines. And so getting caught up in the hype can create a lot of unnecessary noise. 
as Al noted, you've accomplished a lot, obviously, with yourself and your company. company <laughs> you both are emphasizing that area. <laughs> I love the story, though. It's such a great story for other people to hear. But maybe let's talk about the future. What are you excited about looking forward in the next you know, year, two, three, five years? As much as I've been, and this is such a good question, because I've been talking about this constantly this week. It's time to pivot. And I initially think that that pivot started to take place in 2019. This is even before me coming out where I was like, what do I want my legacy to be? And in 2019, I founded a legacy research institute called Holy Living Research Institute, and it's dedicated to empowering women leaders to live harmoniously. And so we've built out a community there that utilizes what I call the seven pillars of harmonious living, where we look at all of these areas as wells that of capacity that need to be filled in order for a leader to show up even greater in the workplace. And I think after COVID and just some of the dynamics that we've seen socially, people are very focused on that right now and how to retain talent in their organization. How can we put people and wellness and the wellness of our people first so that way we can yield even greater opportunities as well as we've seen an impact the bottom line because of seeing people perform greater because they have more control over their life, more control over that. And there's still a lot of people that want to go back to how things were done in the past. But I think if we are able to really embrace that there's something new that's happening, there's a spring up of something's new happening in this wilderness, we're going to see that we're able to forge a pathway of sustainability business-wise that will leave a lasting legacy for our children. I think COVID was that perfect disruption to this old way of thinking. And it's forced people who kind of needed something that dramatic to happen to think in a totally different way. And so I think that the people that actually will see shine even brighter in the future that were already established, or even those that are now rising up in entrepreneurship are those that have been able to glean from the COVID experience instead of getting caught up in the dynamics of the COVID experience. Well, it's been the same in my industry as well. The people and my peers that were able to lean in and not kind of freeze, because a lot of people in my industry did freeze, and I find they've been left behind. Whereas we leaned leaned into the technology, and I still remember the first cycle that I went through where I met someone, we did a discovery, we did a sales presentation, turned them into a client, and then subsequently had a renewal. So that relationship has all been in the digital space. And I know there were other people in my industry that just froze, and we ended up growing the company. So I think you're right. I mean, it's created conversations that didn't exist before. It's created flexibility like we've never seen before. And I think the people who can embrace that, to your point, are going to be the ones that are going to be successful. So even though I think you've kind of answered the question, I'm not sure if there's a different answer, but we're going to ask it anyway, because it's time for Al's signature question. And if the answer is the same, that's, I mean, it's an incredible answer anyway, But we're going to turn it over to Al for that signature question, just in case maybe there's something else there too. Yeah, you've already touched a little bit on this. So I am curious to see what your answer to this will be. So there's a saying that goes, a society grows great when old persons plant trees in whose shade they will never sit. So can you talk about any of those proverbial trees that you might be planting? Yes, planting it in women and children. I definitely do a lot of philanthropic work around education and technology and even investing in women businesses, tech businesses that have a social focus. So I think if I was to hone in on one particular area, this place of 
socially focused businesses that women are now launching is one of those areas that I do believe is going to blossom in the future. Joy Banda, who was the former president of Malawi, said it best, is that if you want to see our world transform, plant seeds in the hands of women and children. And I think we're going to see more societies that are going to start doing that as well, because it's not about removing what existed in the past. It's coming alongside to walk in pace with what does currently exist and how to forge a more sustainable path for the future. And I think too often the way that we've kind of had these conversations on all tiers, politically, socially, and how it's it's shown up in media is that there's us and them. And that dialogue needs to be eradicated. There is no us and them. It's about we. It's about a collective. It's about how can we work alongside each other because each of us has brilliance that needs to be heard and seen and utilized and implemented in a manner that creates harmony. See, I don't talk a lot about balance, but I talk a lot about harmony because harmony is cyclical, right? And we've seen things like circular economy. We've seen these concepts that have come out over the the last decade where people have been talking about sustainable economies and sustainable economies look at things holistically. It cannot just be bottom line driven or looking at how we can yield bottom line results, which has unfortunately been the reality. And that's an important part. So for those listening, I want you to keep in mind, even when I was talking about our concept of harmonious leadership, one of the pillars happens to be this place of where we talk about business, career, and legacy, which is that money component. It is, in fact, an important component, but it's only one of the seven. There's a a spectrum of different pieces that have to fall into place in order for that sustainability to show up in our world and to make the level of impact that we desire. Well, again, fantastic answer. There's a lot there to digest, but I'm glad you shared and you hit on some really good points. And what I pulled out of that specifically for me, I heard, you know, sustainable over a few times that you mentioned that about the economy and so on. So that was great. I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Well, this has been incredible. I'm so glad we ended up doing a podcast together because our first conversation was really, really enjoyable. So thank you for joining us today. And thank you for sharing your journey. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have questions about yourself? LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, okay, you heard it here. And if you need my help, please ask for assistance. I will be happy to put you in touch. So that does it for today's episode. I really enjoyed this conversation as always. I hope you did too. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn. Success leaves clues, my friends. Mm